guys. What a sweet time. I just want to encourage us when we have those times where we lift up our voices to the Lord to, to take advantage of those. Not that you weren't. I'm not saying that you weren't. But, but uh, I've just had such sweet encounters with the Holy Spirit. As, you know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, he said, I will sing with my understanding. And he said, and I will also sing with my spirit. I will pray with my understanding, and I will also pray with my spirit. And there is something as we just give time to making melody in our hearts to the Lord and singing with our spirit and singing with our understanding. And uh, if you don't understand what singing with your spirit is or, or praying in the spirit or praying in tongues, um, JR will be down here. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of service for you to receive that gift. <laughs> He'll stay here till about 10 o'clock if anyone. Just playing. I'm just All right. And then in that singing, you know, there, a lot of the times, like just pictures or revelation will be given. Or I love that verse that came up and in, in, uh, it's David, right? I'm sorry. What's your name? What's up? Sean, that's right, that's right. Sean's heart, that verse of his love reaches to the heavens. Somewhere in the Psalms, I think it's in the 30s, Psalm 36 or something like that, but his love reaches to the heavens. And just that one phrase, your love, fill, how high is the heavens? Oh, it goes on and on and on. His love goes on forever, his love. And as we get those phrases shared with us by the Holy Spirit, just to sing those back to the Lord and to meditate. And then we get to share them with others and encourage others. All right, so we're going to dive in. We're going to continue our journey in 1 Corinthians. We find ourselves tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I don't have any slides, so I encourage you to follow along in your Bible. I encourage you to take notes either on your phone or if you have a, an actual piece of paper with a pen, you'll be the rare one. <laughs> I still like to take notes with a pen and a piece of paper, but I'm kind of a non-millennial. <laughs> so I'm trusting if you have your phone on that you're not texting, that, you're, that those thumbs are moving. You're being filled with revelation, and you're writing it down as fast as you can, okay? We actually have a camera that's looking on the back of you, and, and we're seeing if you're just playing. <laughs> How terrible would that be? <laughs> um, GR did such a wonderful job in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 last week as we were looking at, you know, saved by grace but, but rewarded for the works that we do in his name, that we do for the Lord. And we're just going to continue that journey in 1 Corinthians. So let's pray and ask the Lord to give us revelation. Lord, here we are again, your people, not forsaking the gathering of the brethren, but coming together to worship you and to receive from your word. And we just thank you that this is precious to your heart. I just thank you, Lord. That this gathering and as your church all across the city gathers on Wednesday nights, as youth groups gather, as Bible studies gather, Lord, we thank you that this is precious to you. 
So Lord, we ask you to not only anoint our gathering with revelation, but anoint all the Bible studies, all the home groups that are happening tonight and tomorrow night, all the youth services, Lord, and all the young adult services. We say, pour out your spirit. Grant revelation of Jesus. Open the word in power. Let it cut us to our heart. Let it convict us. Let it bring us into a light and revelation of Jesus. We love you. Amen and amen. I'm just going to read the first five verses here. Paul is transitioning in this from who the Corinthians are in the Lord, that they are the temples of the Holy Spirit, that they are a field that God is producing good fruit in, that they are called to the wisdom of the cross, that they are called to the hidden things of God revealed by the Holy Spirit in chapter 2. He's calling them in to continue in maturity, to not be carnally minded, to not kind of return and put on that old man as believers, but continue to put off the old man and to put on the new man that walks in the light of Jesus Christ. And then in the beginning of verse 4, he is, uh, begins to transition and talks about himself and talks about those other apostles that have come through the uh, city of Corinth. And he's going to instruct them on how he should be considered. And also, I believe, as they grew in maturity, how they should be considered in the future or how they should consider themselves in the future. And so we get a unique perspective as Paul says, this is how, Corinthian church, you should view me. This is how you should view my life. You know, he was with the Corinthian church. He was in the town of Corinth for 18 months. Some say two years. So he was, when you're with someone that long, you get to know them a little bit. Especially when they're your father in the faith. When you come out of living as a pagan and living in darkness, or a lot of Jews came to know the Lord in Corinth as well. And though they knew the scriptures and though they knew the Torah and though they knew the prophets, their eyes were veiled from seeing Jesus. And Paul, through his faithful preaching in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, reveals Jesus and Jews' eyes are open and Gentiles and pagans that were living in the city, their eyes are open as well. And Paul is saying, there's a certain way you should view me as your father in the faith. And I believe, again, as they stepped into maturity, as they reached and continued in faithfulness in Jesus, this is what the Lord was going to require them as well. So let's read verses 1 through 5. It says, this is how one should regard us. And again, the us there is the Peters, the Apollos, the Pauls that were coming through. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I 
am not thereby, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord that judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from the Lord. So Paul begins here and he says, how should you regard me? And he says, you should regard me as a servant of Christ. Now, there are several different words in the Greek used for servant here. The lowliest servant in the house was, I think you pronounce it like a doulos or something like that. This isn't that servant. This actually was a term that was used for a servant that was underneath a boat in ancient times and would be those rowing the ship. Okay? So Paul says, when you think of me, think of me as one serving the gospel, as one rowing the ship. I get that picture of like Paul rowing and the captain of the ship is Jesus. He's the one directing. He's the one saying, this is where we're going. And Paul is, is laboring, he says, in another place and striving, he says, in another place that the full manifestation of the will of God would be revealed in the churches that he was planting. But he's serving them. He's working hard for them. And he said, you should consider me as one who is serving you, not one who lords it over you, not one who is trying to command you and to, to, to beat you into submission. No, I'm serving you, Church of Corinth. This needs to be in all of our hearts as mothers and as fathers and as leaders of businesses and as uh, of ministries. We need to have that servant's heart that it's not about us, it's about us laying our lives down. And Paul says, I'm a servant. I'm one who is laying my life down. Not only that, he says, I'm a steward. Now this word steward was, was held of the, the, the highest servant in a home and the one whom the master trusted, kind of like the right hand of the master of the home. They were uh, deputized with regulating the concerns of the family, even the master's family, for providing food for the household, for seeing uh, that food served out in proper times and in seasons and in proper quantities. They would receive all the money of the house and they would spend what was necessary for the support of the family and they would keep exact accounts. This was basically Joseph in Potiphar's house. How many of you guys know the story of Joseph? And Joseph rose as a slave to the steward of the home, where Potiphar gave him all of the possessions and said, I trust you, you run with it. And Potiphar was blessed because of Joseph's stewardship. That's how Paul is describing himself. He's like, I am serving you, but I'm also serving one who is above me. And he's entrusted me to lead you. And he's entrusted me, what he says, with the mysteries of the gospel. He's entrusted me with the mysteries of God. And I'm, another way I think about this in our modern day is maybe like the financial officer for a city or a government official. You know, the money that he is moving around, it isn't his money, right? It's our money, and we like to remind them that every election season, right? Hey, that's our money, and I'll take you out if you don't do it now, just please. Now, we just came through that election season, and 
you know, a treasurer of a city knows that's not his money. And if he treats that money wrong, he's going to jail, right? Paul was walking before the Lord with this fear. He was saying, I'm a steward and I'm serving the household of God, but I am serving under a benevolent master. Now, the Lord is a benevolent master, but he is a master. We answer to him. A kinder way to say it is he's a shepherd, right? And he's the chief shepherd and overseer of our souls. And Paul says, I'm a steward, and what is he stewarding? He says, I'm a steward of the mysteries of God. Now, this phrase has just captivated me this week. Not only thinking of this message, but also uh, just in other areas of my life. That Paul was granted insight into who God was. And as he was granted insight, he thought that he should be found faithful to administer that insight, to preach about that insight, to, to, to reveal that insight to the church of Corinth and to unbelievers. Now, when I think of the mysteries of God, that can kind of be an a, a unusual phrase for us, you know, in this modern time. I like to think of the things that we know as believers that the world does not know as unbelievers. The things that we know as those who are serving a king with a kingdom that is now and a kingdom that is coming in the principles of that kingdom. You know, just as walking with the Lord for as long as you have, even if you've only walked with the Lord for a short time, you actually know things and things have been revealed to you of who God is, of who you are to Him, that the world does not know. That the ungodly, they're trying to figure out the secret of life, the mystery of life. What is this whole thing about? And they're perplexed. But we actually aren't as perplexed as them. Now, some people in this room are going like, no, I'm still a little perplexed. I still don't know what it's all about. And I get that. We're not walking in full maturity of the revelation of the mysteries of God. But we know some things. We know that God has a son. We know that God sent his son to remove the guilt and the shame that was upon us, that was separating us from the Lord. We know that his son died on a cross and it was finished on that cross. And he rose again from the dead and we can put our faith in that son. And we can walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit and fellowship with the Father and fellowship with Jesus. How many of you guys just know that much already? Be honest. You know, you know that to be true. Raise your hand if you know that to be true in this room. Okay, if you're not, we're having an altar call. Come on down. No, I'm just playing. We might do that a little later. You know that to be true. Guys, the world does not know that as truth. They don't know that as something they can anchor their lives to, that they can drive a stake in the ground and build around that revelation. They don't know it. And Paul, at this time, as, he, as he's preaching to the Corinthians, lots of these hidden things, and he says it many places. Paul actually uses this phrase, the mysteries of God, 21 times in his letters. 
It's spoken of 28 times in the New Testament. This word mysterion, that's what it is in the Greek. A few times in the book of Revelation, Jesus actually uses it the first time in the parable of the sower. And the disciples come to him and they say, hey, are you, why are you speaking in parables? And he says, to you, the ones that are close to me, to you, the hidden things of the kingdom of God are being revealed. Now, how fun would that have been to be one of those 12, to be one of those 72 and hear that from the Lord, from, from one that you are recognizing to be God in flesh, to be the Messiah that was bringing forth the promises and plans of Yahweh in the earth. We're, we're like in the inside club. How many of you guys remember going to high school and not being in the inside club? I raised my hand high. <laughs> I still have that, you know, it's like... <laughs> children are like, I'm just not, I'm not in the in crowd. I'm like, oh, I know, I know. And how many of you guys always wanted to be in that in crowd? You've had that point in your life where you're like, man, I just wish I was, just I wish I was in the know. Or in the workplace. Maybe you feel like that in your workplace. You don't feel like you're in the in, you're in the, you're in that leadership team that you want to be in. Guys, you are in the leadership team of heaven. It says, to those who spend time with Jesus, the parable of the, the sower, it says, to you who are close to me, I'm going to reveal the secrets of the way the kingdom of God interacts in our generation with the kingdom of this world. And you're going to know the secrets of my heart. So I just kind of went on a journey of these hidden things of God as, as uh, Paul reveals. I just want to go through some of these. Paul actually says, and I just kind of went straight through the, the New Testament from Gospels to the book of Revelation. Paul actually says in Romans 16 that the hidden truths were hidden for a long time, but now, because of Jesus' coming, the prophetic writings are made clear. And the purpose of this is to bring about people into the obedience that God has for them in the faith of Jesus. I'm just going to read that, Romans 16, 25 and 27. It says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, or again, the, the hidden things that was kept secret from long ago, from ages ago, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings and has been made known to all nations according to the command of the internal God to bring about the obedience of faith in all nations. And then he just praises and says, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. And I bet Paul found himself in this place going, guys, I studied the word, but until Jesus came, and he solidified the revelation of who the Messiah was. The pieces were kind of vague. They didn't make sense. And now I'm sure he's going, but now I know Isaiah 53, that suffering servant, it was Jesus. Now I know Isaiah chapter 11, the king 
that was going to walk in all the power of the Holy Spirit and knowledge and an insight and the fear of the Lord and was going to administrate justice to the nations, it's Jesus. Isaiah 9, the, the, the one, the son that was going to be given to us and the government was going to rest on his shoulders and his name was going to be called Mighty God. I bet that just tweaked Paul's mind for years and years. How is the son that's going to be given to us, that's going to be born, be called mighty God. How does that work? And Paul sees Jesus and it says, it all makes sense. It all works. Paul goes on to another place to say that this is what the prophets longed to know. Can you imagine Isaiah being jealous of you? Can you imagine Jeremiah? Jeremiah, Isaiah, they're encountered by Yahweh. They get taken up. Coals are put on their lips. Seraphim are singing, holy, holy. They're saying, here I am in the presence of the Lord. How many of you had those encounters? I'm shaking my head right now. If you have, I want to talk to you after the service because that's going to be a good conversation. And they're jealous of you. They're going, you're walking in the revelation that we longed to know. The Holy Spirit not just coming upon you, but dwelling in you, empowering you for righteousness, revealing things in the word about Jesus. Paul's saying it was hidden long ago in Romans 16, but it's made available to us by the Holy Spirit for what? That the nations could walk in the obedience to God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's why it's revealed. We need to be about revealing the hidden truths of God that we know. I'm kind of tying this whole thing into our commissioning that we were given on Sunday morning. Guys, it's time to step into the promised land. It's time to step into the harvest field that God has for us. It's time to bring others into the hidden mysteries that they, they don't know, but you actually know. Okay, let's go on. Oh, there's so many of these. There's 21 of them. I'm not going to get to all of them. Paul says that there's a hidden truth of resurrection. There's a hidden truth that the sting of death is going to be swallowed up forever. That the ungodly in the world does not know, but that you actually know. Let's read. I'm going to just read from 1 Corinthians 15. Verses 50 through 58. If you want to turn there, I'll give you just a little bit of time. You don't have to. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58. I hear pages turning, so I'm just waiting until the page doesn't turn anymore. Now, don't just do that to mess with me. Stop turning the pages if you're... I'm just messing with you. Verse 50 says this. He says, I tell you, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He said, but behold, I reveal to you a mystery, or I tell you something that was hidden, but now can be made known. Now we can walk in the reality of this known truth. He says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. 
And we, those meaning we who are alive at that time, the dead will be raised imperishable, never to die again in the glory of Jesus, and we will be changed. He says this, for this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written of old. Now this is taken out of Isaiah chapter 25. It says, death is swallowed up in victory. Death, O death, where is your victory? Death, O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, that is a precious truth. How many of you have had someone die in the Lord and you have hope that you are going to see them again in glory? That is a precious truth, right? That is a precious truth of our own life that we don't have to fear death anymore. This has given courage to missionaries for years to actually preach the gospel in places where they are fearful for their life. But guess what? There's a hidden mystery that they're walking in that those who are persecuting them, they don't know. Those guys don't have to fear death because God, through Jesus Christ, has given them the victory over death. We have a precious brother in the Lord in our midst. Bob Frain, and he is, he's battling cancer with, right now. We're believing in his healing. But there is hope in that home. And there isn't the fear of death. You know why? Because Bob is going to glory. My father-in-law last year, just in a moment, passed away in eight weeks. Just boom. Stage four cancer, gone. It was the most peaceful, wonderful passing I've ever experienced. And there was no fear in his eyes of death. In fact, he used it as an opportunity to gather his children, to gather his grandchildren and prophesy into their life. He goes, I get eight weeks. I'm going out preaching. I'm going out speaking. I'm going out thanking the Lord. I'm going out. That's a mystery to the world, guys. That is a mystery. I don't care who you are. If you don't have this truth, when it comes to death, there is an uncertainty that gnaws at you. Even in the church, there's an uncertainty sometimes that gnaws at us. We need to be refreshed by these mysteries. And you know what? We need to boldly proclaim them. We need to boldly proclaim, do you know what happens when you die? And they say, oh, no, I don't know. And who could ever know? And I've done Buddhism, and I've done da-da-da-da, and I've done... And there's so many religions. And you go, no, 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 no. Do you, do you know? I, I don't know. You need to boldly say, I do. And I want to tell you about it. Amen? Paul goes on. He says in Ephesians 1.17, this is probably my favorite. I love this passage. Ephesians 1, verse 7 through 10. I think I said Ephesians 1.17, but Ephesians 1, verse 7 through 10. This is the hidden truth. Something that we know that the world does not know. They're trying to make sense of. This is the hidden truth 
that all things are going to be brought together under the leadership of Jesus. Guys, all things. Let's, let's, let's look at this. Ephesians 1, verse 7. It says, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. Meaning, what was broken in Eden, what was broken in the garden, has been restored. It's been redeemed. It's been brought back together. God dwelling with man. Say, hallelujah. Oh, that was weak, but that's okay. I'll give you another chance later on, okay? In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. And these riches of his power, this grace, it's been lavished upon us. Not just a trickle, but it's been lavished upon us, okay? According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, in all wisdom and insight, Verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will. So God loved you so much, brought you back into relationship with him through Jesus because he wants to make things known to you. He wants to reveal to you the secret of his heart. So making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, that just means He's already began the revealing of this mystery. He set it forth. He set it into motion through the death of Jesus Christ. When Jesus said, it is finished, he's talking about this next phrase. Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time, meaning there's a time coming where this will be revealed, and here is the mystery of his will, that he is going to unite all things in him, that's in Jesus Things in heaven and things on earth. Guys, there's a new heaven and there's a new earth. It's coming. It's led by one man. He's going to bring together that which fell at the fall. And he is going to lead it. And he's going to unite it with heaven. And the two will be one and God will dwell with man and we will be his people and he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. Guys, and then I think it gets really fun. It's fun now. But guys, Jesus is the centerpiece of all the universe. Now, when this truth began to invade my heart as a young man, I just begin to make, like, you, you get to make sense of what's going on in the earth. You make sense of the rage of Satan and the nations. And Paul actually says there's a, there's a mystery of lawlessness at work right now in the nations fighting against this truth. There's a mystery of lawlessness. There's a spirit of the Antichrist that will culminate to a man rising up and saying, I am in God when he is not. But he said that spirit, that mystery of lawlessness is already at work in the earth and you see it when you have this perspective there is an enemy trying to fight this declared and decreed reality that Jesus is Lord that Jesus is King that Jesus's name is above all names that Jesus is coming back that Jesus has power now to bring in the harvest that Jesus wants to use us there is a spiritual battle going on right now but we know the end of the story. Jesus is going to be all in all. 
Jesus is going to be, he was received into glory. He's going to return in glory. Guys, this is precious. Why not serve him now? Why not love him now? Why not speak of him now? Why not bring as many as we can into this family now when this is the truth of the entire universe? It's the hidden things that are made known to us. Again, I'm just kind of hitting this point. What are we doing with the mysteries, with the hidden realities of the kingdom of God that we know? I'm convicted like crazy in my life right now. Mike's conviction has rubbed off on me just a little bit. I don't think it's as much as it's on him. But I'm convicted. How many people have I told this week about this mystery outside of my family, outside of my friends who are already in the kingdom, right? You guys feel that a little bit? I want to give that to you as a gift, okay? You can leave tonight with the gift of conviction. Conviction is beautiful. Condemnation is terrible. Conviction is wonderful. Amen? Amen. Paul says this, and just one more thing, and then we'll, we'll close this out. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. You're already in chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 3. Now, you might be asking yourself the question, wow, well, with all the, these hidden things, like, what's the most important? Like, what's the big mystery? They're, they're all important, okay? When Paul talks about these, he's not saying there's just one. He's saying there's many hidden things that we know by revelation of the Holy Spirit that the ungodly, that the unbeliever does not know. And he's calling us to treat the hidden things that we know as reality, as truth in every part of our life. Amen? Paul says this of his ministry. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason... I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. He's like, you Gentiles? I was encountered on a road at Damascus. I was told I was going to come preach to you, and I'm a prisoner to you now. Or I'm a servant of you now. I'm a worker for you now. Verse 2, assuming that you heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. There's that stewardship again. Paul was a steward to another master, and there was power given to him for the Gentiles. And this is what the power is for. Verse 3, how the mystery was made known to be my revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Let's go down to verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, Paul was, a, Paul was a good Pharisee. And in his being a good Pharisee, he knew something to be true. We, the Israelites, were the chosen people of God. Now, I believe the, the, the Old Testament made clear that the Israelites, the Jews, that their, that their assignment from the Lord was to make known the revelation of Yahweh to the nations, but they had gotten off. And the chosen people were the chosen people, and the pagans and the Gentiles were outside of God's promise, outside of God's covenant, outside of the promises that were going to be released through the Messiah. That's what he's saying here, through Jesus Christ. He said, I got encountered by man, and guess what? 
this was a hidden truth I did not know. That the nations, every tribe, every tongue, every language are partakers of the inheritance of Yahweh. Are partakers of the inheritance of Jesus. They have an inheritance in Yahweh. They have an inheritance in Jesus. And they're going to be given the kingdom just as the people of God in Israel that put their faith in Jesus were going to be given the kingdom. Paul said, this was a mystery, guys. I mean, they even had a whole debate on it in the book of Acts if this should be happening. And Paul said, I heard it from the Lord's mouth. You were fellow heirs of the king. We all know the 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 Disney fairy tales to be heir of a king you know it was wonderful anyway I won't get into that but we think of that man if I was the son of a king and if a whole kingdom was going to be given to me and Paul said Gentiles nations those who are outside of the ethnic group of Israel it's for you Guys, we need to fill the earth with this revelation that we are all called to be heirs of God. And it says in Romans 8, what? Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Not lesser than heirs, though there is a position of him being the son of God and we're not the son of God. Everyone in this room goes, don't have any problem believing that, right? (laughs) We don't have any problem. But the, the dignity the hope that we have been called to is that we are joint heirs, fellow heirs with Jesus. I'm going to... There's many more hidden truths. There's about 21 that Paul goes through in his letters. Again, there's 28 times this is used. I would encourage you, it's been fun for me to just study each chapter in each passage that has this. Study it in context. Study it with the Old Testament that it brings in. Read those chapters. It'll fill your heart with faith. But here's where we'll end. It says in verse 2 of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You guys forgot we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, okay? We're still there. We got through verse 1. Now it's verse 2. We're only gonna ha- we only have to get to verse 5, so we'll be here for a while. Just play. Last thing. He says, moreover, in verse 2 of Corinthians 4. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Now, I've been asking the Lord that question. Okay, I I have some mysteries. I know some hidden things of the kingdom of God that others don't know. What does this mean for me? What does it mean that a steward is to be found faithful? And I feel the Lord pressing me in two ways. One, I need to be faithful to walk in the revelation that has been given to me. I need to be faithful about it with my own life. When those lies try to dislodge the truth of who I am in God, I need to say, no, that's a lie, and I'm believing the truth, right? So I need to be faithful with the revelation the Lord has given me, faithful to walk in it, faithful to love Him in obedience, right? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I would say it like this here. If you love me as a steward, you'll be found faithful to walk in the revelation I've shown you of who you are to me and who I am to you. Second thing, I believe, is we are to be faithful to reveal 
the hidden things that we know about God. Again, we're not special for knowing these. These are available to anyone who turned to the Lord. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3 and 4, he's like, guys, if you turn to the Lord, the veil to these mysteries are taken off your eyes and you see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. You get these revelations as you turn to the Lord. But we need to be faithful to reveal these hidden truths that we know about Jesus to others. The last verse that where Paul kind of links these two. We read one in Ephesians 3, but the verse I have in front of me is Colossians 1, 27 through 29. Colossians 1, 27 through 29. Paul says this, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, or these hidden things. And he said, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, Christ alive inside of you. Verse 28, Paul says this, him we proclaim and we warn everyone and we teach everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that's the Father's energy, that he powerfully works in me, or Jesus' energy, which he powerfully was working in Paul. Paul says this, there is a great mystery, again, a, another hidden truth, and it's that Christ is to dwell in the hearts of anyone that puts their faith in him. And that Christ dwelling in the heart, it's, it's hope, and it's going to be realized in the glory of to come, and it's poured out in, through our lives now, through glory. He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, that's a great mystery. But Paul says, I don't stop there. He says, him, that one who is to dwell inside of you, that one who is dwelling inside of you, it's him we preach, and we warn every man, and we teach every man. So, just in closing, I'm going to have us do something fun. Okay, it's 8.15. We're supposed to be done right now, but we're just going to take five minutes. We're going to go to 8.20. And we're just going to get in some small groups, okay? About two or three people. And I want us to pray two prayers together. I want us to pray that God would give us opportunity and boldness to speak about Jesus to those who don't know him. The second prayer I want us to pray who do I need to share this with? Who do I need to be asking opportunities to reveal the hidden truths of who I know? Okay, can we do that? Let me pray for us and then we'll break up into our small groups and, and just close in a time of prayer. Lord, as Paul spoke of his life that he was a servant, Lord, I pray that we would regard ourselves as servants of others. And as Paul said, he was a steward of the mysteries of God, and a steward was to be found faithful. Lord, I ask that, one, we would be faithful to meditate, faithful to return to your word, faithful to
to plunge the depths of the hidden things that are revealed to us in the word that the world does not know. And Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to walk in them. And I ask you in this season at the rock that you would give us grace to be faithful to make known these mysteries to others who don't know them. That we would be stewards of the hidden secrets of the kingdom of God that are made plain to us but are hidden to others. That we would make them known. That we would make them plain through our preaching of him, through our warning to others and through our teaching of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So just do this. And I give you grace to only do like three minutes now. But just get into some small groups and pray this and talk about this, okay? We love you guys. Thank you for coming.